Hi, I'm Dan Young, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. And much like East Fife, um, we're down to a depleted squad tonight. You're joined by myself, Lee Gillis. And Gordon Henderson. And that's it. Nobody else. Michael's still too busy with soccer. Don't know what Doug's doing. And James Smale is currently caught in traffic on the M6. So you're stuck with us two this week. But on a more positive note, we're talking on the back of a win at home to Dumbarton, a 2 0 win, which is uh, a 2 1 win, which I don't think many of us would have seen coming. But, you know, it is at home, so there's maybe some people that would have suspected that result. But before we go into this week's show, let's have a word from this week's sponsor. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well... It is a football show after all. Thanks as always to the East Fife Community Football Club and of course John W. Gilbertson in Glen Office. Be sure to get in touch with them for your football and or needs for a lawyer for buying a house or whatever it is that you need. But Gordon, happy man today? Yeah, really happy. Good good performance, three points, can't really complain. We bit a nice drama at the end where we thought We'd lost it for a little while, but ended up not, which was always makes it a wee bit better. Yeah, um, I caught the first half yesterday. I was at work. Um, I was meant to be taking my daughter to the Halloween thing at the Lockwood Meadows today, um, which then got subsequently cancelled on Friday night, and I'd already arranged to swap my shift, so couldn't arrange to, to swap it back, unfortunately. But saw the first half, um, thought that we, we largely dominated the first half. Second half, I didn't see much off, but the East Rife TV team are on the ball and the highlights are released, and I managed to watch them just before we come into the show tonight. And again, largely looked like we were the, the better team the second half. Let's get let's get into the first half. So, obviously, starting eleven wasn't a change from last week that I can remember. There was one change. Danny Denham started at left right. ahead of Slattery. 
And what a change that was. It was one that I actually think that Doug um, shouted out last week about having Danny Denham there to get an up and down that wing, maybe just a bit more mobility. And, and it looked like it was a, a change that paid off. Yeah, I thought Denham had a good game. Um, I think like what Doug was saying, he's he's got a bit more pace about him, which does let him kind of get up and down. Um, he works very hard. I think he does a he does a good job there. Um, you know, maybe a few wild tackles, but he's not a defender, so you kind of kind of let him get away with that. But yeah, I thought he played all right. I think you know where maybe sometimes where we were looking weak again was maybe down our. If, if you're nitpicking, it was maybe Dumbarton were getting a bit more joy down our left than anywhere else, but um, you know we lar- largely kind of dealt with it and stood up to it. So, so we're not going to explore the game in its entirety, but we'll we'll pick um, tidbits, shall we say? And one of the things that I wanted to say, and we'll start off with the proverbial sort of shit sandwich, is that we looked really, really good going forward and actually how quick we moved the ball from front to back. Somebody on our Twitter timeline said it looked that we actually tried to play the ball out from the back rather than the long ball. And do you think that that's potentially where we're going to get a little bit more joy rather than hoofing the ball up to no one, actually playing out from the back and, and using some of our ballers, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday, I agree yesterday, like the, the speed that we kind of moved the ball forward was good. Um, it was... I've I've watched back a little bit of the highlights and from what I remember of the game, we weren't hoofing it, but we were still making some pretty good use of some sort of, you know, longer passes sometimes, sort of maybe trying to get somebody in behind their defence, kind of get defence turning and running. And I thought that actually worked quite well. I mean, I think from what I remember, Aaron Steele had a good few balls kind of, down the right, um, obviously our second goal came from, oh, I mean, whether you want to call it a long ball or not, it was a fantastic pass, but it was a kind of, I suppose, a longer pass, a kind of quite a quick turnaround from defending to attacking. Um, and that that was pretty good. And you'd hope that's something that we could do a bit more of in the next few games. I mean, I think it was probably likely to be the instruction um, from Darren and Stevie at the start of the game yesterday is, the fact that Dumbarton's squad was massively depleted with sendings off and injuries, no McGeever, no Buchanan. And obviously, equally, that, that puts our mind at rest right away that we don't have to shit a brick every time we get a corner. Um, but equally, they're like, well, this is going to be a, a sort of makeshift defence. And do you think that that, is, that was Darren's tactics early on? Was, do you want to know what? Let's get in their faces. You Use Kyle Connell's pace use uh, Ryan's intelligence to be able to just drag defenders out of decision uh, out of position um, and then use Liam Newton, who's that sort of box-to-box midfielder, to, to just give them that bit of support. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, exactly that. Is it, You look at Dumbarton and losing McGeever and Buchanan, and they, they kind of matched up. They played a kind of 3-5-2, 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it. And it was a pretty makeshift back three certainly so I think definitely this idea of trying to put them under a bit of pressure you know drag them out of place a little bit put balls in behind them in between them move at a bit of pace I think you know I I can definitely see that being our sort of tactic for the day and I think it was the right thing to do and I think they 
certainly in the first half, I thought they opened very cautiously. Like they, they looked like they were sitting back quite a lot. And I think they maybe thought that bodies back was the was the way to go. But um, you know, on another day that might have worked. But obviously if you lose the first goal, that's a tough, tough one to come back from. Let's talk about that first goal. I don't know about you, but when I seen it with Liam Newton, I got it. I, I couldn't have been any happier for the boy. Um, you know, I think the the, the last couple of weeks, um, maybe not so much against Montrose from the the highlights of the game that I watched, but I think he had one of his poorer games. But he seems to be sort of coming into it a little bit, and um, I know that he missed a chance last week to to get that goal to um, yesterday. I mean, hopefully that's. Just, sort of thing that can maybe just give him a bit of momentum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're all kind of praising him, certainly in the Cove game, but he had a really, really good game there. Um, I think, you know, last week was a tough game for everyone, but he had another really good game today. He scored the first goal, he set up the second. Um, I watched the first goal back on the replay. When I saw it first, I thought it was a bit of a, you know, I thought it came straight to him and it was just a case of putting it in. But actually... He was kind of facing a wee bit away for goal, so he had to take a first touch, then turn, and it was a really good finish. Um, no, it was good. It was good for him to get that because I think his kind of his performances have kind of merited that. Yeah, they couldn't agree more. And, and just to echo your point there, for any of our listeners that haven't seen um, Newton's goal again, I would actually urge you to rewatch it because the technique that it takes for him, first of all, because the pass from Connell came to him quick because Connell's facing away from him. And then he shifts the ball with like a sort of back heel. I'm kind of showing Gordon the action right now. And I realise that you guys are listeners and this is on YouTube, but sort of back heels, it turns. Obviously looking to open a bit of a shot for the right foot for himself, but sees that Liam's in space, hits the ball to him and he has to sort of get the ball out from under his feet. And then he hits it as he's sort of falling back. And then he couldn't have put it placement-wise any better in terms of the, the corner of the goal that went in. But I think the, the great thing to see was the the reaction of the, the the five players that all went round, surrounded them and, and sort of gave him a, a, a good sort of celebration around him because he's obviously a well-liked lad in the dressing room. And I think for us fans, we love to see a local boy do well for us and, and definitely well done to, to Liam for that. We had a few chances in the first half. I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I think Kyle Connell looked again like he made an absolute nuisance himself and, and what a, a signing on loan he's going to uh, be. But I'm going to come back to, to him later on. Wallace, you know, looks like he's going to be sort of back to his old self, just coming in short for balls. The, the, the amount of communicating that I was hearing from him whilst listening to the stream yesterday is something that I think that we've definitely missed him constantly talking to the players around him and, and getting in the face of pretty much everyone, to be honest. Liam Watt, it was, it was another surprise addition for me yesterday, but I think that when we look at the, the team that was set up with and then we look at the bench, again, there's not really that option there. And I think what Darren's hope is that Liam Watt's going to be that creative outlet. But for me, it's going to sound so harsh on the guy, but... I'm not really seeing what he's bringing to the starting 11, apart from his goal against Queen's Park at the first game of the season, which was an absolute beauty. I really don't see what he brings us. He gives the ball away a lot, a whole lot. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, he's most of his time here when he's 
been playing. He's been playing on the left of a midfield four. Now, he doesn't. He's a player that you know. If you watch him, if you look at him, and you see him running about, he doesn't really look like a winger. But I think that's probably his kind of natural position and where he's best at. You know, he's got a good engine on him, and he's very good at that kind of, you know, cutting inside. And giving a giving a fullback or giving a defender a really tough decision, you know, he can go out or come in, and he's he's almost better cutting in, and that 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 makes him a really tricky player, I think, um, to play against as a fullback. But obviously, we're not really playing with wide midfielders the same way we are now. It's either fullback or more a central midfield three, and I think, aye, there are probably times where you think he doesn't he doesn't offer as much in that role. As, as maybe he does because I'm I'm quite a fan of him. I I quite like him. When we're playing the four four two, I'm really happy to have him kind of on the left wing. Um, I think he offers a lot there, but I, I do think he offers a bit less in that kind of centre mid role. Um, and like you say, he's maybe not that kind of player you're looking to sort of unpick a defence from the centre. Um, I don't think that's really his, his kind of strength. I mean, a lot of what you always get from him is a, is a good shift. And I thought he put that in again yesterday. I don't think he had a bad game yesterday at all. But yeah, I think I think you you don't get him at his best in that position. I think that's it for me. Um, largely agree with you about Liam Watt. It looks like he is kind of being shoehorned um, in a Darren Young special way in a position that he's maybe slightly unfamiliar with. The question I want to ask you, and one of the ones that I've got written down from a, a listener this week, if you're Darren Young and we're going into the transfer market in January, for example, what do you think in terms of position-wise is your ideal position to recruit? So if we're sticking with the three-five-two, um, I mean, I would probably still say it is somebody that, can you know is more comfortable and can really play that left wing back role. Um, I think that if we've got a fully fit squad, mm-hmm. Stuart Murdoch can play right back, Aaron Dunsmore can play right back, and Scott Mercer can play right back. Yeah, I mean, so, and you you're looking at a kind of on I you know whatever it is. You're looking at a kind of unideal situation for left wing back because you're either putting someone who is kind of happy, comfortable being a wing back, but but on the right, or somebody who's not entirely comfortable. Maybe it's not the position they would choose to play wing back. So I think I think wing back is less of a problem than than left back. I think you know if you're playing Slattery there or Denham there or, you know, even playing one of the right footers like Mercer there, I feel like they all, it's better for them to play as a wing back with a back three behind them than it is to be a full back and maybe a wee bit more exposed. I think that's one of the, one of the benefits we get from playing the 3-5-2. Um, but you're still looking at somebody who, you know, there's nobody... I still think there's not really anybody in the team who would say, "Yeah, left wing back, like that's my position. That's what that's what I'd want to play. That's where I, that's what I see myself as best at." I mean, you you could be looking as well at maybe a sort of 
a more sort of creative midfielder. Um, I know obviously, you know, fully fit, we've got Swanson. Um, and maybe that's what you'd be looking at. The thing with Swanson, though, is he's a bit of a unicorn for us, isn't he? He's a, a bit of a mythical creature because he's barely kicked the ball for us in what's now been a year since he signed. Hmm. And we, we still don't, I mean, obviously from his Dundee United, Hearts, Hibs, Peterborough, etc. days, we know what he's capable of. But, we've, I mean, we've not seen anything from him in an East Fife shot. And I was sure that originally... I said he was going to be back in October, um, and you know that not that I've seen any, on any of the updates a date that we're looking to get him back. Darren Young in his his post match interview mentioned that next week we're expecting Dunsey, Dunlop, and Murdoch back net for next week against Queens Park. And by God, do we do we need them for for the trip to to Glasgow next week? I think it's Fur Hill um, that we're we're playing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, no sign of Swanson, and I couldn't kind of agree with more. I think that with, with Wallace and Connell there, and um, also Kev Smith as a backup in Semple, we've got enough forwards. I, I, I agree with you about a, a left-sided defender, but I'm also going to make a kind of bold shout that I think that we could probably do another centre-back. Um, because the, the the mountain injuries that we have there. Now, I think Chris Higgins had a good game yesterday, but he seems to be blown hot and cold. Dan Higgins looks like he's going to drop in and out. Um, he was playing decent enough yesterday before he, he got injured. Um, Russ, Dun- uh, Russ Dunlop, uh, Russ, a guy for friends. Um, Russ Dunlop um, doesn't look like he's up to it, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he'd be my first choice. And Aaron Steele, in my opinion, is probably the first name in the team sheet now. Um, so I would probably say that if we're going to be playing a flat back three in terms of three centre halves, I think we definitely need to to try and get another centre half, whether it be on loan. Obviously, we brought the boy Divine in from Motherwell, but he's had a recurrence of that injury and we've not even seen him yet. Um, but obviously, we're not paying for him whilst he's injured or, or so, I believe. So at least that's not been a another one. But look, I mean... The next question I'm going to ask you before we go into more of the game is the sort of ardent Darren Young super fans are now sort of saying, well, look, if you have a look at our form the last couple of weeks that we're getting our injured players out, the players, sorry, our players that have been injured back into the, the squad that we're starting to see what we're capable of. I suppose the question I'm going to ask you is, is well, you know, that's us had a couple of wins now and some good performances against Falkirk and Clyde and um, etc. The, the Montrose game aside, are you changing your mind or do you still think it's time to change manager? It's a difficult one and uh, to some, to you, some can't, you can't bottle it. You can't bottle it. You've got to answer it. Our listeners want to know, Gordon. You know, I was going to say, to some degree, like, you always look back at what you say after a game and you think, you know, you're like the fickle football fan. It's like, oh, Cove game, everything's brilliant. Montrose game, everything's terrible. Come on after a win today, ah, everything's brilliant again. And, and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I think, I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this and, you know, if you look, you look at that first quarter, nine games, four points, terrible. Um, it's no good enough. You can't defend it. But, you know, we had players out. 
we we have improved from that kind of low point of the Dumbarton game. We have kind of improved. We started picking up points. Players have come back. You know, there's more players to come back now. So I think there is a good argument that you could say, look, we have look, the start was not good enough, and nobody's going to say it's good enough. And you know, after what is it like? 11, 12 games or whatever, we're bottom of the league and you can't say that we don't deserve to be. But I think there is a little, the reason to think that we have improved and that we can kind of continue that or improve a little bit further. So I think right now, I would be kind of seeing where we go with that. I think that I think this idea that you look at it in quarters it's probably quite a sensible one. So you look at the first quarter and you say pretty much, well, that was shite. But you kind of review it and you say, well, we had players out. There's a little bit of improvement and we're going to get players back. See how that goes with the second quarter. Now, we're only three games in, but we've picked up six points, already better in the first quarter. I think there's at least, you know, there's, a, there's reason to be optimistic that we can get back to this kind of, you know, quite a good team at home. That utter uh, dog shit away. Aye, I mean, you know, if we can get back to that, you know, that that's as, as frustrating as it is. It's good enough. You know, if we can pick up, if we can win the majority of our home games, and you know, pick up the odd point, the odd win away, we will get out of this. We will kind of start clawing our way back to the teams. Uh, immediately above us. Um, I mean, the league table's already looking a hell of a lot better than it did uh, just over two weeks ago. So I think at this moment in time, like I think we've obviously taken the decision to stick by him. Given that we've done that, I think what I'd be doing is sticking by him. Um, I think, you know, you kind of, you give it that second quarter, you see where we are. Um, you know, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna stick by him after picking up four points in the first quarter, it's it's mental to bin him after two wins and three. Um where really it was really it was only that second half against Montrose that was that was pish. Everything about the the last three games apart for that has been good. Um, you know, two good wins at home, players coming back. I think there's a, there's at least a good argument to kind of be optimistic about that and see where it goes. Well, let's just have a quick look around the division from yesterday. So, I mean, Alawa beating Airdrie was a bit of a shocker for me. Um, they won 2-1 at the Indo Drill or whatever the hell it was called stadium. Uh, Ewan Henderson getting two goals there and Callum Fordyce pulling one back for Airdrie with five minutes to go. Um, then uh, Falkirk doing us a massive favour with 10 men um, beating Clyde away um, with Michael Ruth and Craig McGuffey putting in 2-1 up. David Goodwillie getting back in the score sheet with a penalty uh, before Charles Telfar uh, or Charlie Telfar even adding another one in injury time. Then we had the Cove and Queen's Park ding-dong um, up there um, yesterday with Ronnie McAllister scoring first for them. Lou Longridge getting a double before Simon Murray getting sent off, which is absolutely outstanding for us um, playing Queen's Park next week. Um, Mitch Meganson and then uh, Stuart Morrison own goal, making it 3-2 to Cove uh, before Michael Doyle makes that 3-3 um, and that's how that one finished yesterday. Um, we've got, after that, the Peterhead-Montrose game, which was 0-0. Peterhead seemed to be 
putting a wee bit of form together just now and, and looking like obviously Jim McAnally knows this division like the back of his hand and you know he'll, he'll know how to make them them hard to beat so in terms of how that leaves the league lion you've got Queen's Park on and Cove on 21 points apiece Montrose up in third at 20 points uh, joint with Airdrie at 20 you've then got Falkirk on 18 then Alawa Peterhead uh, sorry, Allen on 17, Peterhead and Dumbarton on 14, Clyde on 11, and now us on 10. And it's still the alarming thing for me is our goal difference on minus 15, but minus 14 from Clyde now, and a point between the two of us. Look, I've said all along, I, I wasn't convinced that we would ever finish bottom, and that I felt that you know we would eventually um, take over Clyde and finish ninth. And look, on current form, you would argue that there's a potential that we could finish eighth. So I don't think that in terms of our recent form, um, that we look like certainties for, for relegation, despite what some fans on the, the Goody Days uh, gold Twitter um, timeline coming out and saying um, had some some absolutely wild shouts on there today. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, let's quickly touch back on the second half um, and let's talk about Kyle Connell. I think he's been an excellent addition. Um, I love his utter shithousery. Um, he looks like a right mean Ned and I don't mean that in a derogatory term for him but just like a proper yobbo footballer that's just going to noise up opposition fans loves scoring goals loves playing on the shoulder of defenders loves assisting and I'm going to ask you a question I'll put this out to our Twitter um, followers and I don't think you'll have seen it and that's why I didn't put it in the group chat so I wanted to catch you off guard Jack Hamilton or Kyle Connell yeah, I had a feeling that's what you were going to ask me. And I, and I didn't see that on Twitter. But I was just thinking, like today, I was just like, I was thinking about my 3 2 ones actually before it came on. And I was thinking about Kyle Connell and I was like, he's actually really good. Like that could be another like absolute gem of a loan signing. And then I thought to myself, is he better than Jack, or potentially better or as good as than Jack Hamilton? Um, oh, Jesus. I think that... But before you give me the answer, right, I'm, I'm going to compare them as best as I can. I think Jack Hamilton is your typical fox in the box. A sort of Ali McCoy-like striker in that terms of you get the bottom in the box, there's a good chance he's going to score. However, Kyle Connell is more of that sort of wily fox rather than a fox in the box. And the fact that he could use his pace, he can get in behind defenders, is a little bit more skillful. He's got quick feet, um, so they're they're different in terms of what they offer us. But I'm really struggling. Like I'm really struggling in terms of how I would separate them. I'll tell you how our um, Twitter followers have got it so far. There's 29 minutes left in the vote. Jack Hamilton winning substantially, 71 percent to 29. Um, now we've got to remember that Jack had what like. Three months at us, four months at us, October-ish to Christmas, and the amount of goals he scored in a short period of time. I reckon Kyle will be on par by the same amount of games. I think he'll have a very similar goals-to-games ratio than when Jack left, and we'll be sure to check back on that Um, in a, a couple of weeks' time. We'll see who scored more and when. But if I had to press you for an answer, say, for example, it comes to January... Mm-hmm. and Kilmarnock um, recall Kyle and then we get the chance to have Jack back on loan 
but the budget only allows for one. Mm. If I have to press you for an answer, who are you taking? If you press me, and I reckon my well, my answer is going to be pretty much the same as a Twitter poll, and I think for the same reason that I think we've seen Jack Hamilton do it over, you know, half a season. You know, with Kyle Connell, obviously he came in, you know, he had a game or two, he got injured and he's come back and he's looked really good in the last three games. Um, he's looked fantastic, actually. But I think, you know, you've got that thing with Jack where we've seen him for that longer time. Now, if Kyle gets well, a run of 12, 15 games and he keeps this form up and he's scoring goals, I can see him being a potentially better player. Um I suppose it's just at that moment of you're not really comparing like for like at the moment because we've we've all seen a lot of Jack Hamilton and he was good for a prolonged period. Whereas I think with Connell you've kind of seen it a bit of oh he's on a real hot streak at the moment. Like if that continues then maybe maybe that swings it towards him. Whereas you know it's, it's difficult to say whether it will. But I think it's another really good loan signing, a really good loan striker. And I think, you know, you could potentially... I don't know if we've just got him till January or if we, do we have him for the season? I'm sure Kyle was till the end of this season, I think. And that's a very good question. Let me find out the answer for that just while I give you mine. I'm going to agree, and the reason that I'm going to agree is because not only did Jack cut his mustard with us at League One level, he then went to Arbroath and continued to bang them in at Championship level. So he is a goal scorer. Now, don't get me wrong, Kyle scored, I think, one or two goals before he got injured, maybe one, um, and then has continued a sort of retrospective form. He might actually overtake our left back so stroke right back as our top goal scorer and with, with any hope in the, the coming weeks but yeah I think I'm probably going to agree with you just now but I'm really happy to revisit that um, in a couple of months time look obviously that was a, a bit of a, an ad hoc question for Gordon who looked like he was going to shit his pants as soon as I asked him it but if you've got any answers to that if you want to throw your 2p in Give us a tweet at Glory Days of Gold on Twitter, or as always, you can get us on the mailbag, glorydaysofgold.gmail.com. So I'm just trying to find out when Connell's loan deal finishes. But look, let's go into the more important part of yesterday's goal. And Liam Newton's got to be credited for that assist. I mean, he takes, not only does he um, play the ball perfectly weighted, but he, he brings it down quick. And looks up and it all and it's like he instinctively knew where Connell was running or where he's going to be. And it's great to see that they two have got the potential for that understanding because listening to Darren's post-match interview and then Liam's briefly as well, they're trying to tell me that Liam is going to be a box-to-box midfielder because I've only seen, you know, seen him as a defensive midfielder. So it's good to see that Darren's telling him to be that little bit more attacking. And we've started to see that now. Yeah, like um, God, man, like when I when I was actually at the game, I didn't kind of see who played the ball forward. Um, I went on Pine Bovero and I seen a Dumbarton fan had said something like, "Oh, you know, it's gotten to lose a goal to a, a sort of big hoof up the park," 
And somebody did kind of pull them up and said, actually, you know, it was a fantastic pass for Liam Newton. So I, I made sure I went and watched that goal back and looked at it on the like the full match replay thing. And it is fantastic. You have to give credit to Newton. That is not, it's not an accident. It's not a lucky ball. Uh, he takes he takes the ball down. I think I think Ryan Wallace kind of nods it back to him. He takes it, he has a quick look up and he pings that ball in. And it's brilliant because he puts it because Connell's actually a little bit uh a little bit wide. I don't think he's actually in front of the goal. Um and he just it's that it's inviting enough for the goalkeeper to come off his line, but it's close enough that Connell gets there. And it is it is a fantastic ball. It's very quick. Very kind of quick thinking and basically a perfect ball to play. It was yeah. really good. I don't know about you, but it just seemed forever to hit the back of the net. It was like almost like I heard the snowman theme tune, like we're walking <laughs> in the ice, and sort of lofted in. And then when it hit, it, again, you get that instant feeling of relief. I mean, obviously, I didn't see it live. I've only watched it um, in terms of the highlights. But you were there. You lived that in the moment. Talk me through how you were you were feeling at that point. As long as it seems to take to hit the back of the net in the replay, it felt like about 10 times that in real life. Because I think you know he's going to hit it. You know you know he's going to try and lob the keeper. You know what he's going to do at that moment. And the ball goes up. And the thing is, in that moment live, you're like, you don't, it could hit the top of the net. It could go wide. You have no idea what it's going to do. And it just sails up, sails down, and goes into the net. Oh, it was... I feel like everyone was just holding their breath when that ball was in the air. It was fantastic to see it going in. I mean, Ramsbottom made some really, really questionable decisions yesterday. And I mean, for as good a shot stopper as he is, some of his decision-making was insane. I mean, he's an experienced boy now. He should probably know better. Oh, when, I mean, when you look at that goal back from a Dumbarton point of view, and... Yeah, I looked on Pine Bovril and they're slaughtering him for that. And when you look at it from his point of view, you're like, why the fuck did you come out for that? Because actually, the, um, you know, the, like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't that Connell was in front of the goal and away for the defender. He was still wide. And the def- Dumbarton defender, I think, really would have, whether he could have kind of nipped in in front, he was, he was there to put himself between... Connell in the goal. I don't think Connell was through one-on-one. I think the defender was there covering it. But because Ramsbottom ran off his line, he was just inviting Connell to chip him. Um, it, was a, it was really poor decision-making for him. And I think, aye, if that was your own goalkeeper, you'd, you'd be putting that down as quite a big mistake. Uh, definitely. So, I mean, I can't, I can't, there's nothing else that really kind of jumps out into my memory that he did, he did wrong. But that was quite a howler, I think. Yeah, um, again, poor, poor decision-making. I'm going to flip now, and let's talk about Jude Smith. And Jude, if you listen, or if your family listen, or whatever, congratulations on your new contract. I think that that's a good move by the club. I think the, the boy's got bags of potential. Um, bags of potential commands his box well, good with both feet, seems very, very talkative. However... There's been a couple of hairy moments with Jude, um, which is always going to happen. I mean, he's, he's finding his feet in the league, and I don't actually mind that as much. He's, he's definitely the better option between him and, and Scott Gallagher, and his confidence must be sky high coming and taking the place 
And Gallagher, considering, you know, Gallagher's an under-21 internationalist for Scotland, played with Rangers, you know, he's, he's got a lot of experience. But a few times his decision-making himself is, is coming to question, and I'm sure Lindsay Hamilton will be all over this in terms of coaching him, but for their disallowed second goal, kind of got caught in a, like a no-man's land. Now, I'm sure that I read somebody that his jersey got pulled. I've watched that highlight three or four times. I'm not seeing that. It kind of just looks like the two um, Dumbarton attackers have sort of wedged themselves in before they've punched it in the net. Um, there's been a few times that I've felt that he's, when collecting crosses, looks a little bit shaky. But apart from that, on the whole, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on Jude? A big fan of his. I think he's looked good. I think I agree. That, I mean, there's always the thing with goalkeepers. I think it's. Um, I was just. I was watching View for the Terrace, and they were interviewing Jamie McDonald, and he was kind of saying this as well. Is that like, you know you can you make 99 saves, if you make one mistake, that's what people remember. And there is a bit. I think we're always quite harsh on goalkeepers, and you look. You probably can. He's he's still a young guy. He's he's going to make mistakes and learn from them. Um, there probably has been a few shaky moments and a bit, maybe you can question him for a couple of goals he's considered, but I thought yesterday was fantastic. I thought, I've only seen the the disallowed goal um, on the full match replay, so it's been full speed. It, to me, it looks like the Dumbarton player in front of him punches it out of his hand. So to me, that's, you know, no, no question mark about, about him there. If, that, if that's what's happened... I mean that's ridiculous. Um, you can't you can't kind of count for that as a goalkeeper. But I thought yesterday he was really really solid. I mean Dumbarton weren't making, you know, they weren't creating lots of clear cut chances where he was having to make big saves. But he was absolutely rock solid. He's handling. He's taking the crosses. Um, he just looked like a really really sort of dependable goalkeeper. Uh, and I think that's a big thing, especially for a young guy. You know, you can. You can see somebody that's got talent and that he obviously does, but I think making yourself into that goalkeeper that you know you just you just trust them. Everything that comes in, even if it's a bit tricky, he's just handling it well. I, I thought he had a brilliant game yesterday. He looks like he's grown in confidence as the as the weeks go on. And I think again, it's smart business by the club just going, right, let's get him tied down because at least if we drop a division. You know, we've, we've, we're actually making sure that we've got a spine in our team. Um, and look, again, you know, with boys like him, Newton, you're always getting that sort of thing, well, if he plays well and someone comes in for him, then they're going to have to, to pay us some cash for him. So, you know, boys maybe like Slattery and et cetera, et cetera, that we've given extended deals to in the past, I've been quite sceptical and look, the board have had an absolute ear bashing from us and the management. I've had a total ear bashing from us in the, the, the previous weeks, but you've got to make sure that you also give credit where credit's due and, and that's a, a great bit of business by the club in terms of Jude. So Dumbarton getting themselves back into the game yesterday and um, making it 2-1. Um, I actually felt hard sorry for Jude not getting his clean sheet. And Aside to the, I think that their only clean sheet this season, if I'm right, was Peterhead. I think so, yeah. In the league, anyway. Yeah, um, which is a pretty worrying stat. But yeah, it was a bit of a, a sore one for him to lose. Yeah, I, th- I think the same thing. I, th- I feel like he kind of deserved that clean sheet. Um, obviously, 
obviously it didn't it didn't really affect the the us getting the three points in the end, but I'm sure like all goalkeepers and defenders will be annoyed about that and I think he did deserve it. I mean the second goal I, I get, I've looked at I've, I look back at it and it's just a kinda you know, it's just pinball in the box. You know, so it's a sore one to lose, and I know there's all this thing about crosses and corners and all the rest of it, but, you know, I'm sure we could have defended it better, and I'm sure they'll look at it and see what could have done better, but it was just, it just seemed to hit off lots of people and then just, you know, kind of fell to the Dumbarton boy about two yards out. Um, so it was a kind of scrappy one to lose, and I, I feel we probably did kind of deserved to win the game by two goals. You know, that, that it felt like that kind of game. And I felt, um, you know, Jude kind of did deserve his clean sheet, but not the way it how, how are you feeling after that one goes in? Because I'll be honest with you, when I seen us concede, my first reaction was, well, here we go again. A wee bit. I did think to myself, surely that, surely it's too late. Surely, like, you know, if you're winning two now, it's it's often a very awkward scoreline. And if you concede with maybe ten minutes to go, it's like you know, full on shit in your pants time for everybody. But the fact that it was on the ninety, I did think to myself, because it's not like it's not like we were under sort of sustained pressure. I mean, the game the game had got quite, I would say, like frantic. Like Dumbarton were obviously kind of throwing everything at us because they had no other choice. And I felt we'd kind of, you know, maybe instead of trying to calm it down and slow it down a bit, we were kind of throwing everything back at them a little bit. And so the game had got very frantic, but it wasn't as if they were creating lots of chances and they'd had us kind of boxed in. So I have to admit, I wasn't too worried when they scored on the 90. Um, And then when the ball went in the net two minutes later, that was like devastating until I actually saw that it wasn't a goal and it was a free kick for us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, anybody would have been as devastated as Darren Young, who genuinely looked like he was going to full-on Bobby Boucher from the Waterboy rugby tackle the referee had he given that. I mean, the commentators thought he'd given it, the Dumbarton players thought he'd given it. (coughs) I think everybody thought he'd given it, apart from the ref. But the ref had actually given the goal. It was the assistant referee, and not the linesman, um, who had obviously seen that it was a, a hand-to-God moment and he'd, he'd punched the ball in the net and then instantly you just felt yourself going yeah. but this is where I think that I kind of still worry about the game management because we made some changes yesterday now again you look at the bench and I'm being so nitpicky here but obviously like my, my job is to try and look at things as a fan as impartial as I can for the listeners on the show and look last week I think that all our passions were probably taken over a little bit um, but look I mean we're, we're still bottom of the league and we still need to try and look at games objectively as best as we can so obviously the the unforced the, the forced change was bringing Pat on um, for Daniel Higgins we then take off um, Danny Denham um, and bring on Keen Miller and that's obviously to try and break up the game a wee bit but then bring off Kyle Connell with three minutes to go and bring on Jamie Semple. Now, if that's me, I don't think that an attacking substitution is probably what we needed at that point, given really that, I mean, they'd scored 
in the 90th minute. We're 2 0 up. Would it be better? It's actually going to hurt me to even say this out loud, but maybe bringing on a Seabonsu and, and adding that extra player into the midfield? I mean, potentially, I think, like I said, it was a. If you, if you watch the last five, ten minutes of the game, I think it looked like a game that was uh, level. You know what I mean? It looked like two teams that were level and trying to find a winner a little bit. And it is nitpicking, but, um, you know, it was, it was a good performance yesterday. And you just, you know, credit to everyone, all the rest of it. But if you are looking at, you know, could that have been a bit easier? What could we have done better? I agree. I think the game management for that final 20 minutes when we went 2-0 up um, could have been a bit better. And it did look like we were kind of almost trying to get a third goal uh, when really, I think, you know, if it was me, I'd, I'd want us to be a little bit more conscious of keeping it tight and not, not necessarily kind of pulling bodies back because, again, you're just inviting them onto you. But I think just being a, a little bit more cautious. Um, yeah, I think my, my, the reason why I say that is because yesterday gave me the shoe glaze a bit because all I got was sort of like PTSD at Partick last year, Greenick Morton last year, where in the dying embers of the game, we shit the bed. Yeah. And both those games were at home. And I'm like, this is going to happen again because we've not tightened up and just been a little bit smarter um, with, you know, even, you know, don't bring on Jamie Semple, who's going to run about a bit. Bring on Kevin Smith. And Xavier, yeah. yeah. Just, he's so intelligent in terms of, you know, he'll draw a foul or he'll do a trick and get the ball into the corner and, and just be difficult to get the ball off and just use his intelligence. I just think that some of the changes that Darren makes at times leaves me scratching that ball dome of mine. But look, as I don't want to go down a negative route on the back of when, like I say, our job as on this podcast is to try and look at things as objectively through our black and gold tinted specs as we can. Um, and look, let's talk and finally wrap up yesterday's game with a 3-2-1. Now, what I've decided to do is if I can't make it to a game, I'm going to proxy my 3-2-1 to somebody that was at it. Um, and I decided yesterday to proxy my vote to Die Hardy's Fife fan and one of my best friends in the world, Isla, um, who was giving me regular updates for yesterday. So we'll go with hers first. Um, she's she struggled with our one point, and she said that she's going uh, that she couldn't choose between Smith um, in terms of Jude Smith, Chris Higgins, or Anne Steele. But for Aaron Steele for his block in the first half um, when he slid across the face of the goal. And when I watched that, actually, it really reminded me of uh, Doug's, you know, we don't have defenders that love defending rant. And that showed me that Aaron Steele is our defender that loves defending. Two, um, she's given to Connell for how he took his goal and his complete shithousery. Um, and I think that that's going to win him a lot of fans at East Fife. And our three points, which is probably going to be a surprise to nobody, is Liam Newton. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, box to box midfielder today, engine room of the team. So great. Um, and thank you so much for that, Isla. Go on in. Similar thinking. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the names you mentioned are the names that are kind of 
around. Uh, I went one point to Jude Smith. Again, I think um, Aaron Steele was, had a good game and he was in there. Higgins had a good game. He was in there. Um, I thought Wallace had a good game. Um, I thought McManus had a good game yesterday. But I gave it to Smith just, like I said before, um, really solid throughout the game. Just a really good performance. I think he deserves that point. Two, I went with Newton for two. Um, you know, it was between the two and the three. Well, the three I gave to Connell. It was between, obviously, Newton and Connell for the two or the three. Both got a goal. Both got an assist. I think, um, you know, particularly in the second half, some of the stuff Kyle Connell was doing. I mean, I mean, it was it was very good. But he also gets shit house points because there was multiple times where he actually kind of got the ball. And you kind of like chip it over a defender's head, run onto the other side, and then and then kind of chip it over another defender, and um, just you know, in a in a tight contest with the three points that gets on it. <laughs> Fair enough. So thanks again to um, yourself for the updates from yesterday, Gordon. Now we're going to go as I always do to our mailbag to finish off the show. Now. I'm kind of distracted here because I'm going to try and get ahead of this because I meant to send it to you and I'll, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'll tell you mine and it gives you time to hastily put yours together. So we got a tweet from Neil Mackay at Neil W Mackay. I think second week in a row he's been in our nail bag. So hi, Neil. Um, on the stream before the game yesterday, Stephen Mill said we have five injured players who I think would walk into the first team if fit. Do you agree that Murdoch, Dunlop, Davidson, Swanson and Dunsmore are all automatic starters? And what is um, our best 11 if everyone is fit? So I'm going to give you some quick time to think about that. Um, I am going to pick mine first, um, which I was trying to hastily do there. So I think for me, if everyone is fit, um, it's got to be Juden goals. Very, very difficult to, to take that off him. Defenders has got to be our lawyer trio, uh, Higgins, Higgins and Steele. Right back, that's, that's the tough one. Um, but look, Stuart Murdoch was, was probably player of the year last year. Um, so it'd be very difficult to, to move him from that position. Probably looking at Scott Mercer um, on the other flank. In terms of our midfield, um, well, our strikers, obviously, the question there, you know, so it answers itself is um, Connell and Wallace. And I suppose, really, you're, you're looking at your midfield three and, and who do you put in that? I mean, Danny Swanson, if he's fit, as in fully fit, has to start. You know, he, he's not had the career he's had from being a poor player. I think he's the attacking, creative player that we really, really miss. Um, so I'm going to say Danny Swanson just in behind um, our front two um, when we've got the ball, but dropping into centre midfield in that sort of Scott Agnew slash quarterback role um, when we don't have the ball. And the, the difficult part is our, our two centre midfielders. After Newton showing yesterday, he's got to be in my shout. Keir Miller's had a whole host of good games for us. McManus doesn't get in that team for me. Look, I mean, we brought him in when we're short of numbers. I say a Bonsu doesn't get anywhere near that team. Really, I'm going to go with Kieran Miller. Oh, 
It's a difficult question because we're a fully fit team. We've got a decent team. I think there's a lot of competition for places. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positions where you're like, well, it's you know one of two or two of three, and there's not much to pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kieran Miller, Liam Newton, um, and Danny Swanson as my my midfield three. Okay, so one, I don't think it's a given that all five of them walk into the, the first team. No, I don't either. Um, because my other thing I was debating is that I put Dunsey at right back and stick Stuart Murdoch in the middle of the park, which is also a debate in itself. Um, so yeah, let, let me hear yours. So I've gone Smith and Goals. Um, I assume we're playing the same formation, sort of 3 5 2. The three at the back, I've gone a bit differently. I've gone for Steele, Murdoch, Chris Higgins. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm not in. If we're playing four four two, Murdoch goes right back, easy. If we're playing three five two, I'm not entirely sure what. Because to me, he's more like a defensive fullback than an attacking one. So I'm not. I mean, you could play him right wing back. You could play him as part of the back three. You could probably play him in midfield. You know, he's in the team. Just don't know where. Um, Dunsmore right wing back, Mercer left. Uh, again, I think you know you could you could do different things there. Midfield, I've gone for Davidson, Swanson, and then well, Davidson. I've I've not even fact time. I forgot about. Him. Got Davidson's him. got to start at my team as well. And then it's between Newton and Miller for me, and you know maybe that. Well, to be honest, it's probably two out of Swanson, Newton, and Miller. And that maybe depends on who you're playing. Um, and obviously Wallace and Connell up front. But I think it's, it's a difficult question. I mean, I think in, in previous seasons, I think a lot of fans, the team would, most of the team would probably have picked itself. And then maybe you're looking at, you know, do you prefer Denham or Watt at left midfield or whatever. Um, but actually, I think it's quite... It's quite tough. I mean, part of it is a new formation and you've not seen, you know, some players you've not really seen fit into it, but there's a lot of positions where it's quite tough to pick between two and there's a lot of players that could play in multiple positions and if everyone's fit, I think there's a lot of competition for places, which is good. Agreed. I'm going to scrap mine and I will tweet it out um, after the show tomorrow. Uh, I need to sleep on that. That's too much of a big question. Um, we've got a new follower this week, Pfeiffer and Proud. Um, he's asked what our starting 11 would be if we could choose from Pfeiffer's last 10 seasons. So that's going to require a bit more time and effort spent into that. It's probably going to have to be a hybrid of a um, Gary Naismith and Darren Young team. Um, so I'll come back to that one next week, Pfeiffer and Proud. Hopefully I'll have an answer for you then, and I think that I'll probably urge the rest of the panel to, to sleep on that one. Um, the Well Tracker, who like to jump in and give us a wide question every now and then, wants to know what your favourite type of cheese is. That's a tough question because I fucking love cheese. Um, nice wee bit of, like, German smoked cheese, I think. Right. I'll tell you what, it's, since we're, we're near the end of the show, you could have a, a Cheese top three. Oh, cheese top three. Ooh, okay. Um, I like Wensleydale. 
that, that looks more difficult than it was you picking your squad guard and you're sweating. This is more this is this is much more difficult. Um the cheese eleven. Uh <laughs> smoke cheese Wednesday deal. What would be the third one? Um Camembert. How'd you coax a bear down a hill? Wednesday deal. No. You stand at the bottom with a mound of cheese and say, Camembert. It was a very poor joke. Um, Yeah, definitely. Um, Although I did hear a great joke for the Halloween tonight, actually. What does Barbie do on Halloween? I don't know. Pumpkin. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like that one. Yeah, you can have that one. Um, So, Lewis Walker, um, your Twitter handle's too long for me to read it loud, but... Would we be happy if we get good results at home and maybe not away? Look, I think that's probably an easy one to answer. If we, if we match our, our home form from last season, we stay up comfortably, I would imagine. Um, so I would probably take that. I'm sure you would too, Gordon. Pretty straightforward one for you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. At Glenn864 um, on Twitter. Um, the absolute shithousery and Bob Agri that Kel Connell puts into his game is a delight to watch from pinching balls behind the goal the Cove to his general piss taking and time wasting yesterday who was the last player that you had to rip the piss to this level um, that's, that's a good question that's a good question um, it feels like that's something that's kind of I don't know like gone out of the game a wee bit Who's who's just like you know, the kind of arsehole that you love when he's on your Bobby team. Bobby Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's an absolute arsehole when he doesn't play for your team. Uh, definitely. I always remember, like, I, I, think, I always think Willie McCulloch was good at that. Yeah. Loved Willie for that. Somebody actually asked for Willie McKillock as a player for us to, to do an interview with, and that's definitely something that I'll maybe try to do. Um, look, guys, if you've got any interviews that you really, really want and please get them to me on email. Um, at, look, the, the Steve Archibald one doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, although they have, he has just announced that he's going to be doing a night in Edinburgh, but I think it's going to be more of a, a Hibs-based one. Um, I'll see if there's anything we could do to maybe get him at Bayview and do a, a sort of Q&A with him for a night. Um, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see if I could get a hold of him again. Um, but... Um, planning to put together maybe a couple of interviews for the Christmas period so if you are looking for anybody in particular somebody asked for um, Lindsay Hamilton somebody's asked for William McKellick if there's anybody else then please do get in touch or even better yet if you know a player that would like to be involved if there's anybody in the current team you would like us to speak to if you're wanting to appear for Kevin Smith whatever whatever um, just get in touch with us so obviously that's the East Fife section of the show finished but before we go, there's obviously been a couple of changes in, in Scottish football this week. It would be remiss not to, to mention the, the the passing of Walter Smith, an absolute legend in Scottish football. Look, whether you uh, lean on the green side of Glasgow, the blue side of Glasgow, or neither, um, which, you know, I lean on, on neither, but he provided me with one of my happiest memories as a Scotland fan at beating France and you know, whatever way you want to look at it, he's a legend of the Scottish game, assistant manager at Manchester United, managed Everton, um, as well as a, a tremendous playing career. You know, we've got to to say, you know, I'm really, really sorry to, to hear about his loss. And 
and our, our thoughts and uh, best wishes go to his family. But we're going to talk about the, the other big change which happened today. And look, I mean, there's no point in even doing a let's all laugh at after what happened to Dunfermline going 2 0 up, ultimately losing the game, and then the team bus having to get an escort out. Um, off the ground at Gayfields yesterday as fans were trying to literally storm the changing room to get it. Peter Grant. I mean, Peter Grant's gone and by all accounts it looks like Stuart Petrie's on his way, Doug. Oh, really? I mean, yes. I'd, not, I'd not heard that about Stuart Petrie. But, um, well, first, I just don't know how the fuck Peter Grant did that shit a job at Dunfermline. I mean, they're not a bad team. They've got yeah. decent resources. Uh, to go, what, 12 games without winning? Completely laughable. Um, they had to bin them. It looked like they were going down. Uh, second point, I think Stuart Petrie would be a phenomenal appointment. Um, I think you, you just you cannot fault the job he's done at Montrose. It is unbelievable. Uh, I think he would be a massive... You know, you always get folk that say like, "Oh, well, you know, that's that's part time. This is full time." But to be honest, like, you know, all the evidence is there that Stuart Petrie is a very, very good manager. Um, he's a bit of a Dunfermline kind of legend. He'll get a bit of time there to turn things round. He would be a massive boost for Dunfermline. He'd be a massive loss for Montrose. Massive. A great bit of business for Fife if he goes there because. You know, Montrose were literally mid-table, third-division shite before Stuart Petrie's went in there. I mean, look at the players he's attracted to that club. Purely, now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Montrose are maybe paying a little bit, but I don't think their budget will be astronomical in comparison to ours. Um, you know, but he's brought in the likes of Sean Dillon, who was playing at Dundee United regularly before dropping down to play for, for Montrose, and he, he brings him in as a coach. You know, even bringing in Keatons, he's bringing in Cammy Ballantyne times two. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely done a, a good job there and, and definitely deserves a, a good a, a chance at a, a bigger club. And, you know, Dunfermline are a big club, you know, the arguably um, Premier League-sized club. I would probably say a bigger club than the Rovers, but they seem to just be... Um, on a different level for them all together. And, you know, you have a look at Dunfermline's team. Kevin O'Hara, as these five fans, we know what a decent player he could be. Maybe a bit of a pillock off the park, but, you know, definitely a, a decent player. Dominic Thomas, um, again, I remember him on loan at Dunbarton, what a player he is. Um, you've then got Aaron Comrade right back, a player, I mean, I've known Aaron since he was a kid. Really, really good player. Um, I think that you, you look at the majority, I mean, they've got like Graham Dorans and, and players like that, Kai Kennedy, who's a good player. You, you look at them from the squad and they should be doing significantly better. And I mean, the appointment of Peter Grant in the first instance was insane because he'd essentially relegated Alawa. And, you know, Dunfermline um, were a decent side last year under Stevie Crawford. The fans kind of wanted Crawford out. They got their wish with Crawford out. And, they, and, they, and this is what I wanted to talk a bit about in terms of, you know, the Darren Young conversations we've had. Sometimes it's a case of, you know, be careful what you, you wish for in terms of a manager change because you might get it, get someone else in and, and look at Dunfermline. It's going to be very, very difficult, you know, for them to turn it around. There's not much in it in terms of points, but... Hopefully, if because uh, I mean, look, I don't actually dislike the Pars. You know, they're not really a team that 
that I despise, although we're seen as inverted commas rivals, you know, I actually quite wish them well. And, you know, if they went on and had a probably run together, I'd be quite happy to see them get out of that because certainly they're not a team that I want to come down next year if by any some divine intervention we, we managed to stay up. You know, I would much rather see a, a Queen of the South or a Morton or some somebody like that come down than, than the Pars. But, I mean, yeah, definitely a, a good appointment for them and we'll find out by this time next week if if he's the one that, that's got the job going. Yeah, I, t- I totally get what you're saying, but, like, be careful what you wish for sometimes. I think... <sighs> Like being being a supporting a team is totally different to, and you know, like you, you can be objective about other teams, but sometimes you just you can't be objective about your own. I think a lot of the Dunfermline fans, you know, it's like, you know, we want Crawford out, we want another manager in. It's like, oh no, not that manager. I'm sure Peter Grant was not the first choice of many or any Dunfermline fans, um, but I uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm the same. Like I, I don't. Um, obviously, you know it's like a five derby, but I don't see, I don't see them firming. I don't look at them the same way. I look at like the Rovers or Cowdenbeath or anything. You know, it's not it's not the same. I don't think they they feel that about us or we feel that about them. But um, you know, potentially next season being being in a league with Dunfermline and Kelty, um, I don't imagine imagine we'd finish above either of them. But it'd be be fun. Yeah. Nah. Well, we'll, we'll need to wait and see what happens. But points dropped by Kelty. Um, yesterday but the one thing that I did want to bring up on Kelly was their attendance yesterday which was just shy of a thousand um, uh, which is stark comparison to ours but I do believe they're doing a lot with the kids and really engaging their community there and that'll definitely be helping their numbers they're probably paying peanuts to get in which will be inflating their numbers but I mean I know a whole load of people from Glenothis um, that you know when you know they're supporting any of the lovely sisters or whatever um, and can't get to whatever game it is, they're, they want to watch Kelly um, because they're an attractive proposition. Because they're winning. And yeah. yeah you, you, you can't keep winning forever. I mean, yeah. at some point it will stop, whether that's because they get to, you know, the championship and they can't afford to go and sign Premier League players or because the money runs out. At some point they're going to stop winning and those fans will leave. That's... I mean, fair, fair, you know, fair play to them. And I think Kelty, from everything I see, Kelty are doing a lot of good stuff off the park as well. And they're kind of doing everything right. Um, but you know, they're also they're also pumping a huge amount of money in to get a winning team, and everyone likes going to see that. So we'll see what happens with them. I think. Yeah, well, we could fingers crossed. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, says through gritted teeth that's what uh, ends with a massive amount of uh, egg in their face and do you want to know what to top the egg that'll be on their face uh, my favourite cheese some grated bread Leicester just right over the top of them because fuck it um, but look let's end the show um, unfortunately on a sombre note and it's, it's something that I, I meant to um, mention at the beginning of the show this show in its entirety is, is dedicated to the, the memory obviously of, of Ken Henderson the director of East Fife, who just resigned this year due to his ongoing health um, issues. Um, he passed away last Sunday at the age of 75, was our commercial director, and um, was instrumental in securing some important financial backing for the club. Um, so obviously all the best to, to Ken's family, somebody that was clearly a, a big, big figure at the, the board at Bayview, and we want to send um, Ken's family our best wishes. But 
until next week, we look forward to going away to Queen's Park. And by looking forward, I mean that figuratively in terms of we're looking forward to that, not we're actually looking forward to that because it's an away game. But who knows if I have to press you for our prediction, Gordon? Uh, yeah, I can I cannot I cannot be kind of I cannot go and predict a win. I I think I think we'll lose. I think maybe three, let's say three one. But to be honest, I think it's the kind of game we should be looking at it. Like, look, it's a it's a bit of a free hit. There's no pressure on us, right? Like, and as fans, I don't think we should go into that with massive expectations. This is potentially the most difficult game we have on paper all season. Um, we've come out of two very very good home results. We're still struggling away, um, but I think. You know, I think the players should go into this one with a bit of not too much pressure on their shoulders and, and we shouldn't put too much pressure on them. Um, I think we'll lose because saying anything else would just be kind of hopelessly optimistic. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1 um, and hope that, you know, with the, the players, if we're getting the likes of Murdoch back, etc., they might just make us that little bit more sound defensively. That's the positive AMA. Looking at next week's fixtures, Airdrie at home to Peterhead. You know, so that's a, a tough game, particularly in the form that Peterhead are in. Dumbarton at home to Clyde. We're obviously really looking for Dumbarton to, to bounce back after beating us, and I'm sure at home they've got the beating of Clyde. Falkirk Callawa um, is another really, really tough game. Probably looking for Falkirk to, to do us um, a favour there. Um, Montrose Cove. Um, it's probably the pick of the fixtures for next week. Really, both sides will be going for that. But I think that that's where our disadvantage lies because Queen's Park will be looking at that as if we need to go and absolutely pump East Fife um, to ensure that we get top of the table. But who knows? You know, I'm, I'm going to kind of retract the statement that I made um, after the game last week that we don't have much that we're maybe going to beat the teams above us. I mean, I think the Cove result shows that we maybe do have that. I would love to see us go, um, you know, if we could put in a similar per, uh, performance that we did against Falkirk away, um, I would be much more confident than the performance that we put against Montro uh, Montrose away last week. I mean, I literally had to stop watching the highlights, uh, sheer rage um, after the back of that. So let's hope that we see something a little bit more positive. And yeah, prove us prove us all wrong and, and get a win away from home for which would be apart from cup games our, our first one of the season. And if Dumbarton does us a turn as well, um, then we could be looking at getting um, leapfrog and Clyde. But to be honest, actually, before before I continue to ramble on a bit, we can maybe actually do with that being a draw. I was thinking that. I mean, as good as as good as it would be, you know, as good as the first objective is to catch Clyde, we've then go, got to go and catch the likes of Dumbarton, Peterhead, potentially Aloha, or, or not letting them get too far ahead. So I'll take a draw at Dumbarton next week. Yeah, uh, yeah Aloha are six points clear of us. Um, so I think they've actually obviously with their win yesterday, maybe just nudge that wee bit further forward. But really, Peterhead and Dumbarton, if we could get a win um, next week or a win against Clyde in the, the coming weeks, um, it really brings these teams that a little bit closer to us. And let's hope we can do that. Let's get the fans 
back on board. I've been seeing less and less poison on Twitter um, this last couple of weeks. So um, let's hope that we can get the fans um, behind the team and, and really start to put that run together that, you know, at East Fife that we're, we're more than capable of doing. But that's all for this week. Um, Gordon, thank you for being my, my co-pilot. It's the first ever show um, as a fan zone that there's been just two people, I believe. I would maybe need to check back our, our archives, but I feel that we've carried it pretty well. Who knows? We might not even need other people in the future. Let's yeah, do this together. If anything, it was better. I would say so, mate. I would say so. You know, the two best looking guys on the show and the two most sensible as well. We've not got Doug chipping in his usual nonsense either. So um, we've, we've managed to, to to do that and, and do it well. But thanks for your, your comments and your participation as always. Thanks as always to our sponsors and of course to you, our listeners. Um, you guys make the show worth doing. We've had some great numbers in recent weeks and, and be sure that if you do know any Spife fan or if you're at Bayview, you're passing the pod on to, to some of our listeners. I mean, last week's show was pretty much half of the, the attendance that we got at Bayview. So we're definitely getting round to the right people and make sure that you're telling more if the, if the fancy laughing at us if we've lost or being happy with us if we've won. But until next week, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, and more importantly, win the fife. Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.